This week's topic is by far one of the most requested since we started this podcast last year. I'm not kidding. It's probably the most common question I get asked by you guys on a weekly, if not daily basis, what my thoughts are on coffee, whether organic matters, fair trade, drinking out of a reusable cup, a plastic cup, if decaf is better than regular, how much caffeine is too much, is it safe to drink while pregnant? All of the above, this conversation, this topic, this information is all so important, so necessary, and we are tackling it all this week. So thank you for joining me. I'm happy you're here. Before diving into this conversation, I wanted to do a quick disclaimer. I re-listened to the episode after we recorded it, and I felt the need to share something with you first before diving into the episode itself. We are all human. We are not perfect. You cannot change your daily habits overnight. I get that. We get that. We've all been there. It's a slow process of learning new information, creating change within your routine, doing better with each step, and knowing what you can do with what you have at that time. It takes time to create change. But the change is important. It's a ripple effect. It all matters. The products you buy, the companies you support, the things and chemicals and ingredients you're putting into your body, it's all connected. And that's why we're here. And that's why we show up for these conversations. It all goes back. I think Maya Angelou said it first. When you know better, do better. Don't beat yourself up for doing things wrong or different or even for the cup of coffee you had this morning. You didn't know any better or any different until you listened to this episode. It's going to be an eye-opening one. It's going to change your perspective in a lot of ways. I'm not perfect. I still go to coffee shops with friends. I still forget my reusable cups more often than not. I still grab a to-go cup and I drink out of a plastic lid. It happens. But it's always more empowering to know what the best options are so that when they are available to you and you have that option, you can make that choice. That being said, let's dive into this episode. And one last thing, if you notice I'm taking deeper breaths and or I can't finish a long-winded sentence like I used to, it's because I'm 23 weeks pregnant at this point and I'm really starting to feel it. So <laughs> bear with me. I'm so happy you guys are here with me. We have so much fun with these conversations and we love hearing your feedback and insight with each passing week. So let's dive in and get this week's episode started. Welcome to the Critical Conversations podcast. My name is Brianna Reesing, and I'm a critical care nurse with a true passion for preventative health. I've seen firsthand the impact that poor diet and lifestyle choices can have on us long-term. So with each episode, we'll dive deeper into the realities of our healthcare system, what preventative health truly entails, and what you can do about it. Hey guys, welcome back to Critical Conversations. This is Bree, and on the other line joining me today, I have both Heather and Jen, the duo behind She Changes Everything, for a really exciting conversation that you guys have been asking about since we've technically launched this podcast over a year ago. We're going to dive in and talk all about coffee, what the health benefits are, what it's doing to help you, but then also what impacts it might be having on your health long term. And that's a bigger conversation all around how much caffeine you're consuming every day, what the quality of the coffee is that you're drinking, where you're buying it from, what kind of cup you're drinking it out of, whether or not you're pregnant, 
there's a lot of questions you guys have sent our way and we're really excited to dive into this and tackle this conversation once and for all. I'm personally a coffee drinker. I've been a coffee drinker ever since I studied abroad in Barcelona, Spain in college. I never loved the smell of coffee, never really liked the taste of it until I was in Europe and it kind of changed my taste buds for I for the better. <laughs> and I came home, started enjoying that daily routine and that ritual of pouring myself a cup a cup of coffee every morning. But my awareness around it has drastically changed over the years. The way I prepare it, the type of coffee that I'm buying, what I'm putting in it, it's all different from what it used to be. And I guess at this point, I've probably been drinking it for 10, 12 years regularly, almost daily, unless I'm having a matcha. So let's dive in. I can't wait to hear what these girls have to share and see what their side of the story is. So hey girls, hey Jen, Heather. <laughs> Hi. So excited to talk all things coffee. I think coffee. We've been waiting for this yes. episode for mm. forever too. I think it's one of your favorite topics and you guys have a lot of favorite things, but coffee is by <laughs> far one of your favorite things to talk about. It is. I re- it's really funny because kind of similar to you, I didn't start drinking coffee until college. Yeah, me neither. Like didn't even have any interest in it and then uh, we had a really good friend who was like, you need to try a mocha <laughs> and you will love coffee. And so, so you tried the healthiest. I coffee tried the first, healthiest right? coffee ever. <laughs> full of sugar and cream. Full of sugar and cream. And I was like, coffee's delicious. <laughs> I actually, I'm going to take that back. I used to drink coffee in high school because my friends were coffee drinkers and they would all mm-hmm. go to Starbucks. Okay. But my order was a grande caramel frappuccino. (laughs) (laughs) But that's so funny, though, because that is what got me drinking coffee in college. They put a Starbucks in our cafeteria. Which was a big deal. And I probably had that mocha probably a year before. Yeah. And then the Starbucks came into our, you know, cafeteria, easy access. And, of course, I was not drinking you know, anything but frappuccinos or a toffee nut caramel frappuccino, which they do not have anymore. (laughs) Man, I think if I went to the Starbucks website and looked up the ingredients on a caramel frappuccino, it it might take me an entire episode to read the ingredients list. (laughs) It's true. They have so many extras. It's not just coffee. It's not. Which is why the quality conversation is so important. Mm-hmm. But we're coming at it from a really humble place of we've drank it all. We did. We <laughs> yeah. have. I used. Yes. It it's, goes back to that quote. Do better once you know better. So this yeah. conversation is yeah, going to exactly. open up the awareness and you might learn something that you haven't really thought about before. You might be kind of grossed out or disgusted by some of the stuff we share, knowing that coffee is a daily, most likely a daily, if not a couple time daily part of your routine. But don't stress about it. There's nothing you can do about it. We've all had bad habits and old things that we've slowly shifted and made better as we go. It's all about learning and educating yourself and opening your eyes and then making changes from there. Exactly. You could not agree more. No, could not have said it better. This isn't a perfectionistic conversation. It's a how can you potentially upgrade something that you're doing daily once you learn all the different things that we talk about that can enhance something that you get joy out of and that you love and make it even better. Yeah. Yep. All right. So should we just dive into this? Yes. Let's do 
Um, so I think what we should touch on first, because the thing that's made coffee the most popular, in my opinion, is all this research and studies and fun facts around the health benefits of coffee. And mm-hmm. I've heard time and time again that coffee is most likely, if not truly, the top source of antioxidants for most Americans yeah. in their daily diet, which is kind of sad to think about just a brown <laughs> cup of hot water is like your source of antioxidants. But let's dive into that a little bit more. Is that true? What else is coffee doing for us? Yes. And I'm actually laughing about it because I was going to bring that up as far as <laughs> The stat that it is how most Americans get the most antioxidants into their diet. And for anyone listening, antioxidants are found in fruits and vegetables, which is why getting at least between five and 10 servings of those a day is really important to long term health. And right now, as in America, most people are getting their antioxidants from coffee. And the average person eats about one to two servings of vegetables and/or fruit a day. So it's crazy sad. So when people just even add one serving of vegetables, they can start to feel better and notice a difference because you're enhancing that antioxidant content. But besides that, that is really what makes coffee so good for you. The antioxidant content is just quenching free radicals in the body, which means it's going to decrease inflammation. It it can decrease disease. And that's what makes it such a superstar. And then obviously we have people in the camp that makes it a super villain. (laughs) I feel like we're in the age of vilifying foods. It's black or white. It's black or white. You know, it's like you can never drink it or you should drink it every day. And as always, I'm always encouraging women and or my clients. It's in the middle. And it's also what works for you and what's going on with your body and figuring out what you need to do to feel well, not just blindly following someone and their personal opinion on something not necessarily based 100% on science. Right. And I mean, a lot of people hear that, oh, coffee's good for you. It's loaded with antioxidants. But I've also heard that it depends on what type of roast you're consuming, like whether it's a light roast or a dark roast, whether Mm -hmm. or not it's already been processed as a decaffeinated bean. And then even more importantly, what are you adding into it? Like if you're drinking a small cup of powerful antioxidants but then you're loading in conventional dairy and sugar yeah. and caramel syrups and who knows what else like that's a an argument to be had if you're actually reaping the benefits or maybe if anything it's it's a it's a mute point maybe you break even you add all that stuff the coffee balances it out and that's where the antioxidant load protects your body in that cup I'm right that sure. would that would be interesting because from what i know there's not studies on people who drink a frappuccino every right. day it, the, the coffee research is looking at black coffee and or they do do research with cream so coffee and cream yeah and i think some studies will even allow a couple of teaspoons of sugar in it because so, some have looked at whether or not sugar and or cream will negate the benefit. Mm. And there is some study showing that dairy will decrease the polyphenol content in coffee. But from what I can gather looking at it, it's not something that you need to be nuts about. Yeah. Because there is also studies that show that there doesn't seem to be any difference between the, the groups that were drinking black coffee and the groups that were adding cream as far as the benefit that you can get from it. Yeah. Yeah. But again, no research is foolproof. There is not, you know, massive amounts 
of research one way or the other. So you always have to just take what you can find and then use that as a guideline and then go by how you feel. Right. So coffee is high in antioxidants. We've established that. Are there any other quick benefits just so people can feel good about what's in their daily cup? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it really actually does help decrease inflammation in the body. And this is a fascinating conversation and probably a growing area because we we do have such a rise of autoimmune disease right now in America. And what they have found is there is actually a protective effect from coffee for some people with autoimmune disease. And then there is a detrimental effect caused by coffee in other groups of people. And this really comes down to the genetic component. They're, They're really starting to be able to hone in that on that, but it's not foolproof yet as far as understanding it. So one of the simplest ways, especially if you have something like an autoimmune condition, to figure out if your body actually likes coffee or if it triggers you is to remove it. And you you do an elimination diet, you take it out for at least 21 days, and then you try bringing it back in and you see how you feel based on that. I'm so glad you mentioned that. (laughs) It's really important because Again, we have all these food camps and then you have uh, all these specialty diets, which are really can be really beneficial. And again, I'm I'm helping people do these, you know, therapeutic diets. But therapeutic diets are guidelines to get you started and in general to decrease the symptoms you're experiencing and to help the body get into a healing phase. It's it's not a diet. None of these diets, FODMAP, AIP are meant to be long-term diets. And I, I see this confusion so much in my, my clinic because people come in and they've been on AIP, the strictest rules possible for between three and five years. Oh, wow. And they're sick. They're so, so sick. And it's because nutritionally, you have narrowed your food scope yeah, down so, so much. And the, the practitioners they were working with before did not make clear that this is not a long-term diet. It's a therapeutic diet to make you feel better in the short term and figure out your few trigger foods because everyone has a few trigger foods yeah. um, typically. And again, you could be the lucky individual that has none, but that's very rare. Yeah, but far that, and few between. <laughs> which I know is off of coffee a little bit, but I want to start mentioning that more because I see more and more people on these therapeutic diets and the belief system that you should be on them for, you know, years on end, like it's your diet. And that's not the case at all. You're actually opening yourself up for increased disease and more symptoms if you go past the therapeutic window that these diets are designed for. Okay. So I'm going to loop that back directly to the coffee conversation because personally, I last year decided that coffee wasn't making me feel my best. I don't know what triggered it. I was working I was working two different practically full-time jobs at this time last year. Mm-hmm. And I think I began to realize I was drinking more coffee than I used to. Mm-hmm. And I also found myself with more to-do lists than I used to create and feeling just overwhelmed like I couldn't accomplish everything, which a lot of that had to do with the fact that I was working two full-time jobs and (laughs) I didn't have as much time, but I was also drinking a lot more coffee and creating this stress around everything Mm -hmm. I was trying to accomplish. So if you guys have been with me and following me on Instagram for long enough, you'll remember that I think it was around May last year, 
I decided I was quitting coffee and Mm -hmm. I didn't go cold turkey because I know that when you've been drinking large amounts of coffee regularly and you just take it out of your diet, you can suffer from headaches and fatigue and other symptoms. And I didn't want to deal with that while also trying to work. So I transitioned to black tea, oolong tea, which was part of my elimination diet a few years ago. And I knew I really liked it. So I just had small amounts of oolong tea for the first few days and then had no caffeine at all for the next three weeks. When I reintroduced it three weeks later, I was mind blown by the things I was noticing in my body as far as feeling over anxious about things that I experienced yesterday that didn't bother me at all, not falling asleep as quickly, feeling restless throughout the day and or throughout the night, and also just energy highs and lows and feeling like I needed something throughout the day to help pick me up. So it was just really eye-opening. And I'm really glad you brought up that conversation because I don't think we were even planning on talking about it. <laughs> but True. it is a daily routine. It's a daily habit for most people. And most of you who have li- are listening, if you're coffee drinkers, you've probably been drinking coffee every day for the last 10 years and you've never really thought about taking it out. Just like everything mm-hmm. else, this is something to think about. See how it's making you feel change it up a little bit and really tune into your body and see how it's affecting you. Because we are going to dive into, Mm -hmm. in in the next few minutes, the the quality conversation and what it's doing to, like, what type of coffee you should be looking for, but then also what it's doing to our health and the health of our planet. So there's a lot to be learned around it. And maybe if you take it out altogether while you're trying to do better with your choices, it might be a really eye-opening experience. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And then the one thing I would add on that is when you're reintroducing it, that's when the quality conversation really, really matters. Mm -hmm. Because I, um, some people know my story, some people don't. I was bit by a spider that had Lyme and co-infections, which threw my immune system into a tailspin and made me allergic to practically everything. Mm -hmm. And at first I thought, heart-stoppingly that I was allergic to coffee. And then I realized that I actually only broke out and got rapid heart rate when I had any kind of coffee that wasn't um, super high quality and organic. Oh, interesting. And so if I, you know, drank a Starbucks coffee or the just random coffee went to someone's house and I would get a big rash and have my same like kind of like food episode. Uh But as soon as I was like, well, I'm going to try this with just this. I I researched a couple companies that I was very convinced were just pristine with how much they attention they put into the quality of coffee. I didn't have the reaction. None. Wow. And so it's it's something to pay attention to. It's like maybe your reaction is the quality of the coffee, not the coffee. Yeah. Uh 100 percent. Yeah. And we'll break down some of those things to look for because even natural flavors that are added to coffee are why a lot of people react to it or get agitated, get anxiety uh, because you're adding a chemical basically. Yeah, they're synthetic. They're completely synthetic. I've always wondered that, like the hazelnut roast, the vanilla roast, the Christmas cookie roast. (laughs) (laughs) And And there are a few companies that we uh, will talk about that do do a natural process to make flavored coffee, but it's literally you can find vanilla and hazelnut because they're using hazelnut to things with very natural essential oils. Yes, very natural things where you're you're not going to get cream brulee coffee. (laughs) You're just not. (laughs) All right. So let's dive into it. From my perspective in my journey of learning about health and nutrition and the food I'm consuming, the first awareness for me 
was the organic versus conventional coffee bean and realizing that most standard coffee shops, whether it's Starbucks, Coffee Bean, Pete's, Dunkin' Donuts, all of those coffee shops, those are all, when we're referring to conventional, those are all shops that are selling conventional, run-of-the-mill, regular coffee without really any standards whatsoever. And then I know on your guys' end, just from being friends with you over the last few years, it's really opened my eyes to the conversation around what the quality of the coffee is doing to our ecosystem and the farmers that are involved in growing it and what fair trade coffee means and why that's important. So let's just dive into all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting conversation. It's a very she conversation yeah. because it's sustainable, <laughs> healthy, yeah. and ethical. <laughs> but and I think here's the thing: there are some debates in the world where you go toe to toe with people, and you're never going to change their mind. We've had conversations with people about pesticides and the pesticide use in organic versus conventional coffee, and you're not going to change their mind that it doesn't matter. And that's fine. They're allowed to think that. But when you dig into it, especially on that she perspective of the sustainable, healthy and ethical side, it really does matter because a lot of people will argue, you know what? The pesticides get burned off when the coffee gets roasted. Hmm. I don't know if but, I believe that. <laughs> well, here, here's the caveat to that. You have what I will simply call more water based pesticides and then fat based pesticides. Okay. And the water based is going to get you know, burned off or roasted off easily. And they've proven that typically all of it does go away besides like 0.001%. But it's the fat soluble pesticides that there is very little research to be found anywhere in PubMed on the fat soluble pesticides. Most of the pesticide research you find in PubMed is based on the water-soluble pesticides. And do you know that most conventional beans are sprayed with both types or one more than the other? Yeah, because they're they're sprayed with both, but then you have the whole gamut. You have fertilizers, pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, and insecticides that yeah. you're trying to it's deal with. It's a very heavily sprayed crop yeah. from what and I so, understand. Yeah, for yeah. people listening, it's an extremely heavily sprayed crop, and most people don't know that it's one of their could be one of their higher pesticide exposures. But even if you don't want to dig in to the research on, well, how much is left? First of all, I think you would agree with us, Bree, that we know that we're fighting a battle of accumulation where I don't care if it's 0.01%. That's one more small percentage my body has to deal with across a lot of things that people have said is it's too tiny to care about. Well, you combine a million tiny things and you have a mountain. So yeah. And if it's something tiny, but you're doing it every single day, multiple times a day, that is a load on your body long term. And that's an exposure your body has to deal with every single day. Right. So that's the first thing to consider is that they do have an accumulative effect on the human body. But more importantly than that, I think what really, really shows how harmful they are is when you take it to that ethical perspective and sustainable perspective. Mm -hmm. So the workers in the coffee industry who work with the pesticides that are sprayed on these crops, the just the rates of cancer and the rates of birth deformities and the rates of just so many chronic diseases and illnesses to me are an absolutely unacceptable number. Like 25 million agricultural workers reported toxic pesticide poisoning to some degree. And that's just what's being reported. Yeah, because there is a lot of pressure on them to be quiet. Wow. 
and they are not in a system where they're allowed to speak up and even say they have an issue. I was reading one study about women and the rates in cancer and then also pregnancy issues in women in agriculture. And they specifically had their right in the research that there was a very notable statistical percentage of women who said that they either waited a long time to tell their boss or their superior, or that they didn't tell them at all, either that they'd had an issue with the pesticide or that they were pregnant. And so there's this fear around right. that um, whole agency. And it's, it's really sad. So 25 million people, pesticides poisoning, that's what's reported. But if you start looking into the rates of cancer and all these different things, the risks for the farmers is to me unacceptable. I would like to know that my morning coffee did not come at the cost of someone having, you know, a lifetime disease, illness, or cancer. That's a really so, interesting argument because here we are at the beginning of the conversation talking about the antioxidants in your cup and how it's protecting your body and how it's supposed to be helping you on the health spectrum. Mm -hmm. And then again, Behind closed doors, the people growing that same coffee that's supposed to be aiding you in your health are suffering and <laughs> suffering a direct impact from growing the coffee in the ways that it's grown in conventional methods. So, yeah. I mean, that's that conversation right there. That is a fair trade ethical conversation. And that is a logo that is available on a lot of coffee companies that are doing things right. Fair mm -hmm. trade certified is something that you should start paying attention to. And that's what that certification means. That means <laughs> that these people involved in growing and processing the product that you're purchasing and voting with your dollar to consume were also treated ethically in the process of processing the food for you. Yes. Yeah. And that's why we're really passionate about fair trade because Heather and I are really empathetic People. beings. We can't watch horror movies yeah, because no. it's happening to us. I, but we quickly realized that, you know, when we read something or see something, not everyone else is having the same heart-wrenching experience as us where we're like, oh, I can't even imagine that. And so realizing, though, that how it's impacting others also ultimately impacts you, we've discovered helps people care about it more because you're doing something good for yourself, but you're also impacting Someone you will never meet, but you are changing the quality of their life just by voting with your dollar and looking for the fair trade symbol yeah. because they are they really look out for the workers and they try and ensure that they have quality of life and are paid fairly yeah. for the work that they're doing. That's another big issue in the coffee industry is basically forced labor or free labor or being paid Fair, like not good wages at all yeah. for the hard work. It's basically robbery. It and is. So Many people don't know that you can only still pick coffee by yeah. hand. I was going to say, I've toured a coffee plantation in Costa Rica, and I was shocked at how labor intensive it really is just to get a few coffee beans off it's, the tree to then dehydrate crazy. and roast and all of that. Yes. So the fair trade is both they are getting paid fairly, but it also takes care of their safety and has safety standards for them, because that's something I didn't know either. Oh, you guys, the research on the safety education yeah. that happens for coffee workers is jaw droppingly awful. Like most people, they the workers, they'll chew gum while they're spraying the pesticides or they'll spray the pesticides and then not wash their hands and eat lunch or most of them, the numbers of 
people who don't even have protective gear is um, extremely low and concerning. So there's an education issue, there's a protection issue, um, unless you're working with someone who's either organic or fair trade that puts those protective measures in place. And I don't think a lot of people know this. Um, a lot of big rulings have come down against Monsanto and glyphosate, which is a pesticide. And one of the things that got them those positive rulings from the jury is that Monsanto actually had different requirements for like agriculture workers or um, like a government worker who might be spraying it at a government site or something that said that you have to wear a mask, you have to have protective clothing. These are the things you should do. And they didn't put those labels on the Roundup. Wow. And the well, because it's confusing. Sign. If you're if you have to protect yourself from the stuff you're spraying on your food, how can you also then go forward and eat that food? <laughs> yeah, but they had a double standard. They right. knew that for these high government bodies, they had to have those protective instructions, and then they don't for the consumer. And that's how they've started to lose these billion dollar lawsuits. But nobody cares about the farmer in Africa. Nobody's fighting for them. The fact that they are getting exposed over and over and over and over again to these pesticides and they're not being educated and their health is taking a direct toll because of that. Um, It's so you just sidestep that by saying, I'm not going to participate in that system. I'm going to look for fair trade or organic, because even if you can't like say this is the most healthy thing you could possibly do for yourself. It's healthy for my soul because I I believe I'm not participating <laughs> in a system that's ruining someone else's 100%. life. 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's so, really well said. But even beyond that, let's, let's say you don't care about the people, which I believe everyone did. <laughs> when, you, when you're not, when you're buying organic versus conventional. So the systems, conventional coffee, they're trying to grow it as fast as possible because yeah. it's mind blowing how quickly the coffee industry continues to grow. And I was just reading a report that showed that the coffee crops from globally and from Brazil, which is the top producer of coffee in the world, are going to be the largest crop ever this 2018, 2019 growing season. Wow. And so it's a huge growing uh, product. And then with that, the amount of pesticides is growing as well because, um, Brazil is the, like I said, they produce 40% of all coffee in the world, but they also are the number three user of pesticides globally, only behind the U S and China. And they have pretty bad regulation as far as their pesticide use. So what happens when you have this heavy pesticide use is we've got, we've talked a little bit about the people, but you're trying to grow coffee fast. So you're spraying on these pesticides. And what's happening is birds, the laurel, local flora and fauna and insects are also heavily susceptible to these pesticides. So you're ruining ecosystems. You have, I was reading the story and it got me again, because I'm empathetic. You have birds that the insects, which obviously the pesticides are trying to kill or prevent from attacking the coffee, they eat the pesticides, the insecticide insects then have them, and then birds start to eat all the insects, and then the birds die from basically pesticide exposure. So there's this whole domino effect of damage that's being done globally to our land and to birds and insects and all those kind of things. And it's and, absorbing into the waterways as well. Yes, because mm-hmm. runoff from pesticides is incredible. I saw a stat that 50% of Americans are drinking tap water that's contaminated by pesticide runoff. And that's not globally the number. So when you are buying conventional coffee, you are contributing your dollars to a system that is more about the Money. rapid 
yeah, the rapid growing of mm-hmm. coffee and money, then about doing it right and saying, we're going to take care of the planet. We're going to take care of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you convinced me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those are two different certifications, but typically if you're buying a bag that's certified organic, in my experience, most of the time it's also fair trade. That's not always the case, though. So this is a conversation going back to paying attention to the labels on the food that you're buying. It's not just about buying coffee and whether it's medium light or dark roast. Mm-hmm. It's also about paying attention to what certifications that company has. What's the story they're telling on the back of the package? Like, what do they care about? Are you making a positive impact with this purchase? And that's the larger conversation we wanted to have with you today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because you're voting with your dollar. With your dollar. And you're you're not only changing your health, but you're changing someone else's. Yeah. Yeah. Exponentially. Yeah. So I always love this saying when you take the I out of illness and you change it to we it becomes wellness oh wow I love that and so and for me that's what you get to do with coffee because even if it's not illness that's happening to you it's illness happening to someone who is working very hard to grow your delicious cup of coffee and you get to change that with one simple choice with your buying power that's really powerful I've never heard that saying before. That's a first for me. I yeah, like that. <laughs> I love it. I, I, it's, it's, you can see it where you're like, it's yeah. not about me. It's just not about I. When you change everything to we, what you can do with it, the power, the power of us collectively, which is what we're always trying to promote with she is we can, you can change, you can create change because of a collective working power among all of us who are just one little person, but you can vote. And change things with your money yeah. and with choices. Yeah. And it really does have impact. It has, Coffee is one of those ones that really shows up. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. it's an absolute huge impact because it's such a huge part of most people's daily routine. And it's, it's just that regular, repetitive, you know, continuation of what you're doing each and every day and what that impact has long term. Mm-hmm. Yep. So let's expand this conversation then as far as the impact you're having with the type of coffee you're buying. Not everyone's making coffee at home. So the (laughs) larger conversation is then which coffee shops are you going to? What what are you looking for when you do go into a, a standard coffee shop and or a local coffee shop? And this is the thing that's going to th- blow a lot of people out of the water. <laughs> what are you exposing yourself to when you order your coffee to go? <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's taking the quality conversation a step further. So you've got the coffee and the quality of the coffee and then how you drink the coffee and what you drink the coffee in makes a All difference, the difference too. First thing I would say when you're when you go out you want to ask what fair trade or organic coffees do you have at any coffee shop that you go to? Because the more you ask that simple question, the more you're creating the precedence for people showing that they want that option. Yeah. So even if you know the answer is no, because a lot of people <laughs> are like, well, I already know Starbucks isn't going to give me anything, which is not true. They do have a few fair trade and organic blends. Oh, they do? That you- it's they, 1% of their total. It's 1%. Yeah, it's very limited. It's actually but, available on the menu to like order or it's just available to purchase as a bag of coffee? You can purchase this as a bag of coffee and they will brew those blends. If requested. If requested. If you, ah. if you ask. And I do know that some like 
smaller ones will actually let you use those beans, but it, it that's literally comes down to the manager because that's right. obviously a quality control thing. And how busy and, they are. And yeah. Right. But again, it's just about expressing that that's something that you would be interested in so that they keep hearing it over and over again and realizing, oh, there is an audience for this that comes into Starbucks and we should start working on that. And not just Starbucks. We want you to do this anywhere and everywhere. Starbucks is just easy to say because it's the most well-known chain. Coffee bean, Bill's Coffee, (laughs) Pete's, Dunkin', yeah, Dunkin' Donuts. Oh my goodness. With Dunkin' Donuts, that's the big conversation with the natural flavors. Oh, most They love their flavors. Oh, most all of their coffees have a natural flavor attached to it, including even a lot of their black coffees. Flip it over, look at that label because you might be really, really surprised. Yeah. Well, okay. I think you're going to have to dive into that because it looks like we're going to end up with a two-part episode again because <laughs> we can't ever tend to get all the information out quick enough. But what I, what I really want to end this episode with, because I know it's a really big part of the conversation, let's backtrack a little bit. Let's talk about the coffee the coffee cup because I know if I'm making coffee at home I boil the water on my stove I fresh ground coffee beans into my French press I put the hot water into that it's made of glass and metal I then pour it into a ceramic coffee cup and enjoy it at home if I go to a coffee shop it's being brewed in a large machine going through a filter that contains who knows what and then being poured into a to-go cup that's lined with things and also has a lid (laughs) that's also exposing you to things. So tell me more about that. Yeah. So the cup definitely is an important part of the quality of the coffee that you're drinking. Most people don't know. So, you know, I think more people know now that we're throwing away billions of these disposable cups a year, which is there's just an explosion of them. And that's a problem sustainably. The bigger problem is the the BPA, the plastic lining that's inside the cup. And I think, I don't know if most people know this, you get more leaching from a a chemicals coming out of things like plastics when a liquid is hot. Most people drink hot coffee in those cups. So it's going to increase the odds that it's being pulled out of the lining of the cup. But the lining of the cup also prevents it from being recycled. Most people will toss it thinking, well, it's paper, it can be recycled. And it can't because of that lining. There's a few, like literally a handful of recycling centers globally that can strip away the lining and get the lining separate from the paper. And most of us don't live near one and that cup is never ending up there. Mm-hmm. So the cup in and of itself is exposing you to plastic. Which to rem- just to remind people why that matters, especially for women, that really interacts and gives you what's called xenoestrogens. And it can really... Uh, throw your hormones off long term, especially if you're someone that's getting, you know, two or three coffees a day and running out to the coffee shop. But in general, like as Heather was explaining, when you're putting hot liquid into that specific lining, you are definitely getting leaching of that chemical. It's not really an if you're getting exposed to, it's a you are getting exposed to it. So if you are having PMS or hormone disruption, your perimenopause is awful. Um, even menopause, like hot flashes and things like that, taking these loads off of your body that are causing hormone disruption can really make a difference in how you feel. Yeah. So if it's a conventional coffee that's heavily sprayed with pesticides, herbicides, fungicides, it might even be contaminated with mold. And then you're pouring it into a 
what looks like a paper cup that's lined with plastic to keep the liquid from seeping out of it, you're then getting a plastic exposure that's wrecking your hormones. And you said women, but I don't think men want to be exposed to xenoestrogens (laughs) either. (laughs) No, No, they don't. They don't. We definitely, in general, we're more highly impacted by it. We're more highly impacted because uh, metabolically speaking, how our body works versus a male, we actually cycle chemicals slower than men. And this is why women are more affected by what's in our makeup and the, the cleaning products and the plastics. This is why we express more symptoms because just genetically speaking, how a woman is made versus a man, they cycle out chemicals faster than we do. We do it slower because we're designed to have babies. And we need to do things slower because we need to get every nutrient possible out of everything that we eat and or not stress our bodies as much. So just that little change is all the difference as to why we are more affected by a lot of these changes that are happening than the male population. Not to say that the male population is not being affected because they <laughs> absolutely are. Right. But it's why it feels like it's runaway train for women. And that's the big difference right there. So that's the cup. What's in the lid? Yeah. And quite honestly, here's the thing. The lid is the worst part. Because the cup, the coating is uh, more of a polyethylene, which is something that doesn't quite break down as fast. The lid, almost all lids are a plastic number six, which is polystyrene, which is, it's basically a cousin to styrofoam. So it is, it is the one that is even more known to have carcinogenic and endocrine disrupting effects. And again, you're drinking something hot through it and it can't be recycled. So across the board, it's like, eh, the planet hates it. Eh, your body hates it. <laughs> oh, if you, I've been in a rush before and I haven't brought a reusable cup to yeah, a Yeah, one shop. of the biggest things to do is just start with changing what you're drinking your coffee out of. Yeah. Bring a reusable cup. And then if you forget your reusable which cup, will which w- will happen, that's, that's not a maybe, that's going to happen. happen, take the lid off. Yeah, don't use the don't lid. Don't use can. the lid. Or maybe even just tell them, don't use the lid so they don't even put it on there to begin with. Because I've heard that even just that initial steam, that condensation that holds on to the top of the lid, it collects those chemicals and then drip drops into your coffee. So that might happen if they put the lid on it before you have a chance to say no lid. So it's better just to say, I'll I'll get a coffee to go, no lid. Yes. Yes. Spot on. So skip the lid. Yeah. (laughs) There's actually one. And there's a really fun product that we love. It's by a company called High Wave. They're like a family-owned company. And they're a really cool family-owned company. And they make a silicone, what they call an earth lid. And it's a to-go cup lid. So it literally goes over any cup that you could get. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So you you don't have to always carry around a whole cup. You can put a lid in your pocket if you wanted to. Or like have a little sleeve in your purse and just reuse a lid. That's interesting. Yes. yes. We'll, it, we'll link to that so people can check out that company. I haven't heard of that before. Yeah, it's really cool. We'll definitely link to it. And it makes just that big switch simple because even if bringing a whole cup seems something like something you can't or don't want to do, then starting with a tiny lid that you can just put over all of your coffee cups and reduce a big exposure for yourself can make all the difference. Yeah. Yeah. One more exposure for the whole chemical plastic side. So we just talked about the shops, the cafes, but really quick before we wrap up, there's also, have you heard of the whole 
paper filter issue, Brie? I I have not, no. But I know you mentioned at the beginning of this, you wanted to tell me, and I'm (laughs) I'm nervous. (laughs) Well, you you and Jen have talked before about dioxins in feminine pads and feminine products. So basically anything that's bleached with chlorine, a paper product, a feminine product, or coffee filters is going to have dioxin in it as an off product of the chlorine bleaching. So when you're using a white coffee filter, this was crazy to me. The actual EPA says that 40 to 70% of the dioxins that are in that bleached coffee filter will get transferred into the coffee. And this 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 broke out in the 80s, mm-hmm. okay? Forever and a day ago in the 80s, the EPA did a study on paper products and found that, oh my gosh, paper products have dioxins. We should care about this. And then I was doing the research on it and I died. Listen to this. This made me mad. So in like October, September, October, they issue this nationwide release that they've found dioxins in these paper products and they're especially the worst in coffee filters. And then by December of that same year, so literally it took lobbyists about two months, the paper industry the National Council of Paper Industry gave new data to the EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency, and had them release a study that said they were considering that maybe it wasn't as bad as they said it was. It was down to like, you know, 10 parts per trillion or something. And it wasn't as, you know, high risk. (laughs) And I was like, did we, did anybody notice that the people that gave them the new data was the paper industry? (laughs) Like doing their own research. Not a conflict of interest. Just like the canola industry was the one that was behind (laughs) the whole American Heart Association coconut oil is bad for you whole scam that went out a few years ago. You really have to pay attention to who's putting the information out there. And that happens more often than not when an actual life-changing piece of information gets released into the public, that company that it's affecting their bottom dollar, their long-term profits, because people are becoming more aware and they are choosing with their dollar and voting by what they're purchasing. I'm sure a lot of people stopped purchasing the white coffee filters and started going with the brown ones instead and they saw a change. And they had to quickly try and cover it up to the best of their ability with data skewed to fit their own personal message. And that happens Mm -hmm. in this industry probably 95% of the time. Yeah. The number one thing you have to look at is who funded the research or where did the research come from? So with the coffee filters, seriously, when you rank where dioxin exposures are in paper products, it's number one. So just skip the bleached one or look for one um, that's... You can buy non-bleached So I was going to say, are the brown filters... The brown ones, those ugly brown ones, they're the winners. (laughs) Two things. Jen and I will travel with them. If we know we're going to use someone else's coffee maker, they almost always never... They only have white ones. They only have white. So we just bring the brown ones with us because they're they're a piece of paper. They can fit in anything. Yeah. Yeah. And then some people will be like, I feel like it tastes a little papery. Just for a, a rule of thumb... You rinse it off with water and then you brew your coffee. Oh, and then interesting. It eliminates mm-hmm. that. Yeah. So, but it's a really meaningful switch to get dioxins and one more chemical out of your life. Yeah, and who cares what color the filter is? It turns brown from the coffee as soon as it touches it anyways. (laughs) Exactly. You would laugh, though. I've had conversations with (laughs) people. people get stuck on it. They're really stuck on it. It's just habit. You could just change it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. It's really interesting. You know, since we are on paper filters, I want to bring up this really fun health fact in association with coffee. And just proving that, 
these little things can add up to big differences. So coffee can have a positive effect on cholesterol. It's actually one of the the positive associations with coffee. It can help elevate your what's what's called your good HDL, um, I mean, good cholesterol, which is your HDL right. form. But in a subset of people, and again, this is a genetic thing, it will actually elevate their cholesterol. And this is due to a specific fat-soluble compound in coffee called cathestol. And the interesting thing, though, is if you are one of those people where you genetically have higher cholesterol or you know you have high cholesterol, a simple switch to be aware of to make sure that caffeine and coffee are not increasing your cholesterol levels is to use a paper filter because actually filtered coffee using the drip method with paper actually filters out that particular fat-soluble compound that's linked to increasing cholesterol. And so they've actually done studies showing that people that do more like French press or espresso and they're not filtering, that's what's increasing their their cholesterol in association with coffee. And then huh. when they switch to drip, they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> well, that's a fun fact. It is. It's little things. Little things can make all the difference. So Personally, been- I love the French press just because it's glass and stainless steel because I have also stared at my coffee maker. I have a coffee maker for like when <laughs> people come to visit and they wake up before me and they want to make coffee. It's just an easier thing to have on hand for visitors and family. Yep. But I look at it and I'm just like the whole thing's made of plastic mm-hmm. <laughs> except think- for the coffee pot that it drips into. That's glass. But like what's it, what's the process of the heated plastic doing on the inside? true it's, so that's why again, there's never a perfect pro-con. answer no and it's being aware of you what your health history problem. is use the french press yes use the french press <laughs> and if you have a cholesterol problem yeah. don't be mad at life and get rid of coffee use the paper filter yeah like that's i am always sure. telling people information is empowering it's not something to be frightened of it's actually something to be yeah. aware of and don't yes. beat yourself up over it yeah, like an occasional French press is not making it or breaking it. But if you're cons- consistently, consistently daily, daily taking away the cholesterol would probably make a big difference. Yeah, and you know that, that you have higher cholesterol and or you're trying to figure out what might help decrease your cholesterol. This is something to play around with. All right. I like it. There is so much more to be said, so much more to talk about. I think we're going to cut here and continue on with next week. Thank you girls so much for this conversation. I know from the questions I got on Instagram in my stories when I asked you what you guys wanted to know about coffee, we did cover most of them in this conversation, but some of the most common questions How much is too much? What's the caffeine doing to me? What's the benefit of caffeinated versus decaf? One question I got that I really liked was, should I be drinking all the superfoods and adaptogens in my coffee or is it okay (laughs) for me to be drinking my coffee black because that's the way I like it? Safety while pregnant, we can mm-hmm. definitely dive into that considering I'm personally going through that myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and last but not least, I want you, Jen, to dive into the impacts of caffeine in the overall arching spectrum of health because it's not just the conversation around whether or not it's organic or conventional or fair trade and the quality of the coffee bean, but whether or not you're drinking too much caffeine and what that caffeine is then doing inside of your body. So yep. there's still so much to be said. <laughs> there is. And we'll, uh, we'll dive into that next week. So thank you guys for being here. 